Welcome to the second episode of the second season of Non-Neurotypical Art Students, the podcast. Uh, you heard already in the first episode where Matty interviewed Michiel that we are doing things slightly different than in the first season. Uh, we're not only interviewing students of the KBK anymore. Um, we're not even at the KBK right now. We're right now at... Uh, what is this place? What's this place again? We're in the Anavasco Studios part of West. Yeah, so uh, we got very fancy equipment. We've upgraded. <laughs> we've uh, we've uh, upgraded. If uh, this episode will sound much clearer than the rest, hopefully, then you, <laughs> <laughs> then you, then you uh, know what's the reason. Because probably prob- probably the next time I will use my shitty hand recorder <laughs> it's good to have some variation i think yeah exactly yeah. so uh enjoy uh the smooth recording of of uh, my voice uh, of my voice as long as last one time only uh yeah but like i said uh we're not going to interview only neurodivergent students of the kbk anymore we're also going to wander off to maybe other places other other areas uh and right now we have an uh, artist and a student of the HQU. Do I say do I say the right? Yeah, that's yeah? I think that's artist, art worker, um, and I am technically a student. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But you see yourself rather as an artist than a student. Yeah, I think I'm still coming to terms with being back in formal education. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are you are you ready for your first question? Yeah. <laughs> Can Go you introduce it. yourself? So, um, my name is Harriet uh, Rose Morley. Um, Like Niels just mentioned, I'm an artist um, and student currently living in Den Haag, um, but studying in Utrecht at the Hakau, doing an MFA in um, the arts. Um, So I'm dyslexic and um, that is my neurotype that affects certain aspects of my life um and yeah I work as an artist as well as studying so I kind of am in this middle point where I'm working as an artist I also work as a barista one day a week um, mm-hmm. to fill in a few financial aspects um and yeah and I uh, commute through to Utrecht um as when when I can um to my studio yeah uh, yeah Okay, so you're right now, so you have already some experience as an artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you graduate at your bachelor? So I did my, ba- I graduated um, my bachelor's in 2016. I did a BA in sculpture and environmental art at the mm-hmm. Glasgow School of Art in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I'm originally from England, uh, from North Yorkshire, and then I moved up to Scotland um, back in 2013, I mm-hmm. think, and did, yeah, three, and then stayed on, and then I moved to the Netherlands in 2000, and beginning of 2019. Yeah. So I've still only been here, yeah, just over two years now. Um, and since graduating, that's been, yeah, four, four or five years since then. Yeah, yeah, so four or five years experience as an artist yeah. before you went back into education. Yes. Uh, so you're right now in the spirit of education. Does it also feel a bit unsettling in the form of that? you are aware that um you don't that everything you do is not in for a client but really for actually actually for yourself it's i mean it's only it's only beneficial in the form of that yeah uh, purely based on your development as a person as well as an as an artist i can kind of uh 
um, I can kind of imagine that it's very different from what you're used to. Yeah, it's definitely an adjustment. I think I'm realizing now how um, much I kind of got into the process of um, making work for opportunities or making uh, like thinking about work in response to applications. So this kind of quite um, responsive, reactive way of working. So I'm kind of coming back round to um, think about how I can make work um, in response to n not not a job opportunity or yeah. a project opportunity um which is a bit of a transition and i think it's a good practice but i think yeah it, it's going i feel like it, it's just getting my head around it a little bit um and i think it's also good to mention that the reason i'm kind of doing masters now is a few a few reasons that kind of uh, kind of challenged or pushed me to kind of go back into education one of which is uh financial because i'm sure you're aware due to brexit um, this is the last year that I could actually get affordable or what can be deemed as affordable um, tuition fees mm -hmm. rather than going through the process of becoming an international student and paying the quite extremely high tuition fees that a lot of international students pay already. Mm -hmm. um, that was quite emotive. And also, I think because of the pandemic, I had a lot of conversations about when it would be a good time to do a master's. And look, considering it's like... Um, a few people were like oh maybe you know now's not a great time to do a master's in a pandemic but and then i'm also like yeah but wh what else am i gonna do <laughs> like it's yeah. there is a there is a there's a point of uh there is less work at the moment or things are a bit quieter um so i thought now would be my maybe a good time to use that time um to go back into to, to education um when maybe if we weren't in a pandemic i would be kind of just working um and, yeah. and 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 not have that time to think about going back I afford afford that time to go back yeah. into education um yeah. yeah so i'm kind of using the system to support me in a way yeah. financially yeah, well, as well <laughs> yeah mm. but i have that as well i mean i st started this whole master because of also like the covid pandemic mm. uh, and to actually maybe also to figure myself out but yeah. i found it very interesting because um I found it kind of fascinating that you're actually in back in education, mm. but you give a lot of tools, workshops mm. in your work, mm. maybe some sort also like some sort of an, of an, of an educator or at least a guide um, to uh, help people formulate their own answer to maybe questions you wouldn't ask them uh, of them in the first place. And so now you're yourself the student. Yeah. yeah but yeah, you know, <laughs> you could definitely say. Yeah, I'm going through experience of uh, being yeah. taught, teaching and um discussing the same topics all at the same time yeah. so like free divergent and transitional uh, interdisciplinary aspects of working which is quite interesting yeah um at the moment yeah yeah but one of them of your project was and uh, you have to help me out i think i yeah. think it was uh, uh how do you do it or what or why do oh, you do what it? do you do and what do you do, uh, what do you do and what do you do yeah yeah and what i actually think that is like the title of the project like a real hard specific question and now i'm actually asking to you are these and you have like multiple of them in that way are these like questions you ask themselves and then eventually develop as some sort of a workshop to help others yeah so uh answer themselves a very well on one hand abstract question but also not an abstract question i just realized something which i really feel stupid that i've never realized before but i think a lot of the titles of the works that i've been making recently have all been questions mm -hmm. um so that maybe is <laughs> good framing to where i'm, fit I'm no, but are right these, now but are these titles questions you ask yourself yes you yeah i think they are the questions i also ask myself and they it's kind of very self-reflecting so 
Um, I ask myself these, but I'm also really interested to have conversations about these questions. Mm -hmm. Hence why I'm kind of opening up yeah. the floor to, I'm asking the questions outwardly to kind of really uh, create that space to have those dialogues. Um, so maybe to give a brief intro to the What Do You Do and What Do You Do work was a project I was invited to do by The Balcony, which is an artist-run space in The Hague. And um, they invited me to, to make some work for a vitrine space, which for me felt quite hard because I don't really feel like I make exhibitions. I feel like I mm -hmm. make spaces. So to work with a closed off space was kind of quite sticky for me to do. Yeah. Um, but I just also finished quite a large project that I was feeling extremely exhausted from. Um, and also considering what care I was kind of given in the process of, of, of making the work for the previous project. Um, I was also very aware that um, I was thinking a lot about all our jobs that we do as artists, not only art jobs, but horeca jobs, hospitality jobs, gig economy jobs. And I was really interested by the dialogues that I have with people when you ask them, what do you do? When it's framed in an art context, there's this kind of justification that people have to be like, oh, I do this, I'm an artist, I'm a designer, I write. You know, that you almost yeah. have to be, um, you have to do everything. Mm -hmm. um, but what people don't talk about is like, yeah, I also um, cook for my friends or I care for this person or I work in a, um, a cafe once a week. And yeah. I was really interested in looking into the hierarchy of these jobs. Um, and through that, I really focused on the fact that also all these jobs are, are harder to even do right now. They're jobs that yeah. would support artists. Um, so I really wanted to kind of open the floor to have conversations about what these jobs are, specifically kind of within Hurricane at the time, because as it, they are still now, I think it's just when all the cafes and restaurants closed again. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to open the floor to discuss with people what these are the jobs that they were doing and what roles they take within their lives, whether they take any role in their practice. Um, so I invited people to contribute recipes, specifically mm -hmm. soup recipes, actually, it kind of turned out to be. And through those contributions, starting a lot of email, verbal and, and dialogues about these all these jobs that we do. Yeah. 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 Putting it shortly. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think it's kind of, um, I think that way is kind of fascinating because then you also kind of really realizing, like I s said earlier, before we started this, uh, podcast or mm. this episode we uh, briefly chatted about it from how do you what do you what what do you refer to the point when you have like like the most fun or maybe the most valuable for me that would be for instance more like my like the process yeah towards towards, towards the very end of the project and um but in this case you're kind of also thinking from what is what is kind of real valuable to you is it real valuable that you kind of work in an in an in an restaurant and is it more valuable than actually uh something that you've been um uh that you went for, ed education, for education yeah, for you yeah, know from yeah. i mean i mean honestly i can also kind of imagine that um when you are a designer also maybe uh, uh projects you have really to know affection with at all yeah you know I, so yeah. and then and then that point if you are at that point are you for instance more enjoying the fact that you maybe have a side job as a waiter or uh working in a restaurant which you are not educated for versus when you uh do something that you are educated for but to have also parts which you don't really don't like <laughs> and i think this is a symptom of a society which 
kind of has put pressure on um, academic education being uh, the top of the hierarchy, yeah. which I completely disagree with. Um, and the idea that more vo- yeah vocation uh, aspects uh, 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 lack in 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 in, sc- in value in some yeah. senses maybe way because it's more physical labour, um, and this is also something I think I'm maybe quite interested in uh, with my practice because I'm quite interested in the aspect of building mm-hmm. with my practice. That's a huge part of what I do is is the physical. Um, and tangible and caring aspect of physically making um, with other people, which right now is being challenged considering that's quite impossible. Um, and I think, yeah, my the jobs that I've done or, or I still do now, I'm, I, I, I value them very, I, re- I really value my uh, Hurricane uh, job, uh, my job as a barista. I think there's mm-hmm. a huge amount of skill involved. Um, but not even because of that. I, I I value it for a lot of reasons of um, therapeutic reasons. Like I really appreciate uh, also the contact I have with people and, yeah. and discussions I have with people. Um, and I think it, it kind of really ties into to my practice um, in a lot of senses. And I kind of try to think about all these different things that I do in my life, whether they're uh yeah working in a cafe making working yeah. in a art institution working in uh, education i do think of them as all one part of one yeah. thing yeah. which does make uh it, it, it kind of questions and analyzes and compares these things um and, and creates quite interesting discussions and also i just uh I, I i when i first came to the netherlands people started talking to me about their side jobs and i was really really confused about what these these things were these side jobs um because i don't know in, in scotland no one really referred to a job as a side job and i think by referring to something as a side job there is an automatic hierarchy you place on it yeah and i think it's also really kind of ironic where a lot of art jobs people do don't they don't get paid or they don't get paid yeah. that much so i was like okay so what's your side job or what is a side job to you and then yeah. people would say oh it's a job that i do but it's not what i want to do forever I was like, but that's still just a job. Yeah. Like we all do jobs that we do, that we don't want to do forever. No. Um, exactly. So I was kind of interested by the placing and the wording of it that I yeah. think played in me, my brain for a long time. So that's also where I think the what do you do and what do you do came from. Yeah, and exactly. And it also is some sort of, of a, I think it also is some sort of a transition between the mindset that we are uh, um, heading away from the society which we used to have that we have like a 40 hour one 40 hour job yeah um, and that we are more and more especially in the art world we're more and more heading to a uh, more flexible society where you might have like mul- multiple jobs yeah um, and um, now to have like an instance from what you're saying when I uh, before I went to do this master I worked as a postman mm-hmm and I thought it was real, and I thought of, and I thought it was real nice. But I thought as well from the fact as That's a postman. Such a good job. Sorry. <laughs> I, I would really like to be a postman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, really nice until you get bitten by a dog. Which oh <laughs> god. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but uh, no, uh, I really loved it. And, but also in a way from exactly what you're saying, I think it also elaborates really well with how you would see as an art as an as an as an artist. Yeah. You actually uh have to plan out your own time you get yeah. you have to do this job and uh you can take how m- the lo- you can take all the, the time if you want the only restriction is 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 uh, is a that that is that you have to have it done before eight o'clock in the morning then the next day yeah so 
technically you could also do it like at night um structuring is hard yeah but work-life but, but balance yeah but but, uh, but it kind of learned me to do uh, to say from hey this is what i like this is what i don't like because at first at my first day i can recall uh i just started like 10 in the morning and was done like two in the afternoon and then i thought okay what what's next um but then i kind of learned from okay you know what do i find comfortable do i find it comfortable to later start later on or maybe start really in the morning so it is some sort of a place to actually experiment also to your to watch your practice yeah. uh, at what point at the day do you start your practice and when do you actually end what's the way of self-care you know i'm for instance also for this study i'm more elaborating from after eight o'clock, I'm not doing anything anymore. Yeah. You know, from I'm done, and I used to d- and I used to do that to really work, really start like nine o'clock and going until ten, and then going to sleep. So then your whole life has been surrounded around your own study or your own or your own job, and if, and I'm actually realizing because of that job as a postman how unhealthy that actually is. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think I think as a practice, it's a very. Uh, it's a very it's a very good way to uh to uh, find it out and also i think uh it definitely s- reflects on how people approach what being busy and being good and how how you are personally how yeah. are you feeling um i saw someone meant i thought it was a really good way to tie it up and it was that oh you know if someone asks you how you are um people now say oh yeah i'm busy and yeah. they don't say, oh, no, I'm good. Like It's, it's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm busy. And that's the, the, the response rather than the... It's, it's a reflection on your work, yeah. not a reflection on your emotion and your life. Which yeah. is... I mean, I totally do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally guilty of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. But regarding to also um, maybe you as a practice, what kind of tools do you actually use for your work to actually make it work. I mean, um, we elaborated a bit maybe on the care rider. Yeah. So, uh. so I think, yeah, I think the care rider, so the, I'll kind of introduce the idea of what the care rider is and the notion of the care rider and how it was introduced to me and maybe why it was introduced to me as well. Um, so the talking about kind of like making sure that you don't overwork and, and, and clear making clear boundaries for yourself, not only for for others but also for yourself i think the 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 method of using a care rider was something that was introduced to me while working um in the art space hotel maria capel in horn mm-hmm. um i was working on a residency there for uh what started out as six weeks actually turned out to be a year right. talking about elongated projects yeah that was with uh hunt right what's it called again in uh, uh, the artist, or yeah, the, the yeah, the yeah, the artist who you were working with. Yeah, so it was myself. I was so myself and an artist, Kevin Hunt, yeah. was invited. Yeah, yeah, um, to do this residency, and then I stayed on for the rest of the year to kind of redevelop the interior of the space. And we kind of started off initially quite a collaborative or or, or, or responsive dialogue around that, and then um, yeah, Kevin's a UK-based artist, so I went back to the UK, and I kind of stuck around and to continue developing an interior um collective built interior of the art space in hotel maria capel mm-hmm. um but i think my role within that space was it started to get quite um confusing i was invited as an artist to, to invited to run a series of commissions um, whereas commissioned to create fittings for the space but 
I think because my role within the residency kind of evolved to become quite a permanent member of the team, mm -hmm. what my um, what my role was kind of got a bit confusing. So I think the notion of the care rider was kind of introduced to me so I could really clearly state what my needs were coming into that space yeah. and how I could best be cared for mm -hmm. um, within um, institution that also has its own precariety. So as yeah. a precarious worker within that space, uh, because I was uh, working on a commission basis, not a permanent member of staff, I think the best way to really understand how I could work best was to really uh, 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 clearly state that. So um, the notion of a care rider or the idea of the care rider is like a document um, that you put together that uh, can c help us uh, navigate the precarious situations which arise um, within certain situations in our career as artists and designers. So it's essentially almost like a counter contract. It's a very mm -hmm. simple document, almost like an agreement um, that you can clearly state your personal needs. Um, yeah. And these can cover different topics such as like travel, um, install for exhibitions, events that might happen during the process of the of the project, um, money, which I think is a really good one. Mm -hmm. um, I'm particularly really bad at talk about talking about money um, and also it's his personal assistance. And it's particularly used to really be able to express um, seen and unseen disability. Um, and then within that also become, comes neurodivergency, um, fatigue, to be able to uh, basically explain your personal situation without having to justify it in any way, without having to prove anything, which I think often, unfortunately, is the case of if you say, I can't do this, it's like, well, why can't you do this? Yeah. Um, and, and that it is trying to it's trying to avoid that uh, conflict essentially. Um, so, like a really good example of a care rider or how it, it can be used is, is used already in professional circumstances. Is uh, a lot of pop stars have them mm -hmm. uh, to basically really simply if they're going into a, a concert, they're like, okay, so in my dressing room I have to have four white puppies and yeah. things like that. And it's this is a very kind of over exaggerated version but it yeah. is a really clear statement of what they need to be able to do the best job possible yeah. so yeah so i started using a care rider within that circumstance and i was introduced to it by stacy boucher who's um the a curator at casco in utrecht and also miriam who is was the curate director of hotel maria capel and since then i've really tried to implement it uh going forward in different projects and it'd be quite a useful tool um, that I think everyone should use. Um, I think it really breaks down a lot of boundaries or, or walls that uh, I, I could, people can come up against. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's right now really especially used by disabled artists, right? Yeah, yeah. so it's actually also championed, it's originally championed by um, um, disability activists yeah. um, and also, yeah, artists who have seen and unseen disabilities. Um, it's also very much... Uh, used in kind of standard um, process within with, with, with folk that have disabilities um, and I think now is just the idea that it, it, it can be a really useful tool um, yeah. that can be normalized I think that's the idea it's normalized and it may really create space for um, less heard voices more marginalized yeah. voices as well yeah what I'm what I'm actually wondering if I'm applying for jobs or I have for instance a client yeah um, then there is of course this idea of a care rider and yeah. i think the idea first of all i think is like really great because it was also real trouble 
um, and a real insecurity during my time when I applied for jobs. Yeah. From oh, I have I have some of these wishes, that I'm, but I'm not sure um, if uh, they agree with. And my personal problem was mm -hmm. always, when do I use it? I mean, you can use it at the very start, but when, but with the risk that the client is going to say, from, oh, you know, from we cannot deliver you what you're asking, or the or the client doesn't want to, or uh, you can um, deliver it uh, after you sign the contract, and then it's kind of, hey, I rather wanted to have it maybe that you said it before the contract, you know, so that so it can feel like the client or the employee uh, feels like you kind of a bit cheated them. Um, which they shouldn't. Sorry? Which, which they shouldn't. For yeah, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. which they shouldn't, but it's more of, more of a, some sort of a social question from at what point during the process of applying or uh, talking to a client, um, would you, for instance, give your care rider? Okay, I think it's, a uh, really tough question because I think it's down to the individual and the circumstances yeah. and the circumstances can vary so dramatically um, but I think in the ideal situation the idea that uh, contracts are being passed over or some kind of uh, formal the f when formal agreements are being made mm -hmm. this should almost be a counter contract that you yeah. could pass over um, I think uh, that when you're entering formal agreements, um, it it feels very one-sided in the yeah. in the in, in the power structure often. So I think to be able to um, uh, prioritize a way that you can express, okay, I'm coming into this contract, I'm coming to this agreement. Within that, I also have my own terms, and mm -hmm. these are open for discussion. I think yeah. negotiation is also something that can come within a care rider. I also think it's good to say that care riders, you don't necessarily actually have to give it to anyone. This no. can be a personal tool that you can keep for yourself. Yeah. And the reason I say that is um, I have been in situations where I have made myself a care rider when going into a new project, a new agreement. Yeah. Um, as a way something to refer back to or keeping to okay this is this is where i am when i'm approaching this i don't want to do i don't want to do any public speaking because i'm mm -hmm. really having a lot of anxiety right now maybe or i would like to do some public speaking in this event in this in this in this project mm -hmm. uh, but i need to know as much as possible about the pro yeah. about the event that i'm going to be speaking at or I don't feel like I have an en enough energy to do any teaching in this project yeah. right now. So this is something that I kind of agree with myself going into the project. And as I go through that project um, and the and the things that arise, mm -hmm. um, if I've already kind of say, said to them at the beginning, listen, I don't really want to do any public speaking, later down the line, they go, oh, hey, mm -hmm. you know, we've got this really good event next week and we really would like you to speak for it. Um, is that okay? Um, because we have no one else to do it and we really would like you to do it. Um, I, I, you know, I'm put into a position there which I'm having to say, oh, I don't really know what to do here. I, maybe I should yeah. do it. However, the use of the personal care rider is that I can refer back to that and go, okay, I said to myself that I wouldn't do any public speaking or if certain uh, triggers came up during the process, then I'd maybe rethink the project. It's almost to stop, I kind of called it institutional gaslighting or artistic mm -hmm. gaslighting as a kind of tool to really refer back to um, 
when we're facing quite confusing situations, sometimes you can get your head so into a project where you can't really see the outside of it anymore. Yeah. So I think the use of it can also prevent us um, or, or help us manage difficult situations we're facing and, yeah. and, and, and keep kind of a, a reference to refer back to. Yeah. So, oh, I wasn't going to do any more events within this project without getting paid extra. Oh, yeah. could you do this event? And uh, well, we haven't got any budget for it, but it's within the project, so we're already paying you anyway. It's like, no, I want to get paid more because this is not part of the original. Uh, uh, oh, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? This is well. not part of the original um, agreement. But should then a care rider be something? I mean, I can, I can kind of, un I can kind of understand it right now better, uh, yeah. because you also uh, mentioned it as some sort of a document. Yeah. So maybe it's because of my autistic head, but then I'm really thinking of some sort of a piece of paper you can actually send to. Yeah. Uh, well, that's totally to what it is. It really isn't okay. anything more complicated. No, but than it can also use it as some sort of a, of a of a guideline for yourself. Yeah. I mean. Uh, in the form of that you, for instance, say when you start a job, I'm not going to go for public speaking. So yep. every time someone is going to say, do you want to go to an event where you have to speak publicly, then you can really go to your own um, care rider, which you set up for yourself and said, no, I don't want to do that. I mean, because there's also a lot of pressure there. There yeah. can be a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. But then I'm actually asking from, is this something that uh the notion of the care writer is this something that you need to present to the artist or more to the potential clients like uh, companies or um, um i uh, think yeah. i think it can work uh, both ways um i also think it can for example we talk about these c uh, people we're working for companies institutions we're not talking about individuals so for example yeah. Um, when you know entering a new kind of collaboration or a new project, it could be something that whoever you're going to be working directly with, it's it's it can be something you do together. It can be quite a space to really express what your needs are coming into that project and also what your expectations are. Yeah. Um, something else I've been thinking about is this idea of uh, yeah radical vulnerability within the expectations of working collectively. So often there are people have different priorities coming into collective working situations the uh, a project can have different um stakes involved different people uh, yeah. which often aren't talked about and i think if we start talking about what um level this project is maybe in your personal life mm -hmm. so for example i could be working in a project which on my on my level of of other projects is not that high however mm. it could be your if we're working together on something it could be your top priority so it's understanding that so there are uh um so everyone kind of understands what's going on everyone kind of can communicate in a way uh that everyone's expectations are met and you aren't disappointed so i think the main idea of a care rider is just to add a lot more transparency um there and it, it can evolve into, like you said, these kind of um, points you refer back to, um, um, references for yourself. But I think it, it, it yeah, it, it can work on multiple levels and can be adapted to different situations. It's not a one fits one fits all uh, uh, method. It's definitely an evolvable um, method that can uh, be used in different situations and for people with completely different circumstances. Yeah. yeah. Uh, are you? Uh, is that also part of your uh, practice that you make people uh, socially comfortable to um, deliver such a care rider, for instance? Do you think that's that's maybe also part of a bit of, no, I'm not saying responsibility, but maybe you're kind of aiming for that 
to also share the social um, uh, relationship towards towards maybe a client to uh, make that happen? I think that I, the idea of using the care rider um, within my practice, I think because I'm quite interested in working with the people um, and bringing people into the conversations or, uh, or um, yeah, I have a, I really do have a drive to kind of look at shared ownership of projects and, and collaboration within that. Um, I think the idea of using a care rider as a starting point to uh, be transparent about wh what you're wanting to do together yeah. and, and how you can best help each other to do that together is a really yeah. good point to work with. Um, I think maybe using the care rider as a practice or um, a t yeah, like I think it's a tool that I use within, I suppose my work kind of refers to different parts of my work, work with very different tools, and yeah, yeah method methodological uh, tools yeah. as well as physical tools. So I think it's just there, I use the care rider there as a, as another tool to um, base off collaborations and new working relationships with. And I think in that way you can um, start on better footing and almost a clear way of, okay, so how are we going to work best in this situation together? No. Did you hope you had such an idea of a care writer er earlier on in your life? Before? Totally. Yeah, right. I Me think, I think this is also where it comes out of is a reaction. It's a react, a, a reactive, a reactive, way of working i think yeah. especially yeah coming out of art school 2016 um and having many occasions where now i'm feeling like i was exploited as an mm -hmm. artist i was exploited for free labor i was exploited for ideas um and but even before that i mean i yeah. would even think that at the very end of my bachelor degree yeah starting my bachelor degree i think if i if i look back and if i have such a care writer i mean if i mean after all um that's also been seen like some sort of a collaboration um which i think should also be kind of implemented going into more education into yeah this is i think yeah so i think going into education is a big one yeah so um i remember when i was applying for this master's there's like this equality and diversity uh kind of tick boxes you have to kind of go through um one of them being do you see yourself as having a disability and this is, you know, a learning disability of some kind. So I always cl uh, click dyslexic, dyslexia is, you know, the one that I go for, the box that I tick. Yeah. And I'm always, I think going into this master's, I was like, okay, so I've clicked this box. So maybe um, what's gonna happen now is they'll know that I'm dyslexic. Yeah. Therefore they might offer me, I might get some sense of emails about what help could be on offer to me. Um, and actually this, this tick boxing situation is not for that. It's just no. so they have that within their data systems that, oh, we've got a person with dyslexia in this class. Um, and I, I, f I feel so disappointed about that. And I think that also comes uh, having higher expectations of how education, um, uh, oh, how what help there is within formal education. Yeah. And this also then kind of runs down the, the road of how I was diagnosed and the situation of that. So um and maybe yeah. earlier on maybe also in your life I mean, yeah i mean in my case i know for instance that um uh people kind of uh, kind of assume because you're just neuro neurodivergent that you're not able to do some stuff i even encounter it sometimes in my life that people are going to say yeah autistic people don't usually uh go well with a lack of structure 
but you know i mean that doesn't matter i can make my own structure for instance you know so um i think kind of what what really spoke to me when you came up with the idea of a care writer is that you actually give your own voice towards the people i mean it it, it's not just a box ticking situation it is not a box yeah, yeah exactly and i mean it's not even uh, necessarily to mention your neurotype or, or your diagnosis. Yeah, exactly. So and that's also, yeah, like it's good to mention you don't have to write down, oh, yeah. I am this, I am that. It's, it, that's not part of it. It's like, you could, it could almost, it can, the way you word it can be, I don't like doing public speaking or yeah. I don't feel comfortable doing this. Yeah. You do not have to justify why that is, yeah. but you just don't. And that's very clear. Um, I think a, a good one is, um, and a good example um is yeah i prefer to uh, basically giving rather than giving oh i can't do this i can't do that being like oh i i do like to do this so yeah. please ask me to write that right i love doing press releases please ask me to do that or i don't um i don't travel more than uh, an hour uh, yeah. to go anywhere because um i i you, you know you could have anxiety over that you could just fatigue you know i mean yeah. we both ironically travel for education which i think is quite funny but um it's very much clearing what clearly stating what you can and yeah. don't want to do i traveled for one and a half hour for this conversation yeah so it <laughs> <laughs> so will already like be a problem to start yeah, with i know i know <laughs> um, uh yeah no but i but i think what i actually like i can kind of recall in my first podcast with matty and that was the time i really think i came up with that idea i'm still thinking about that is that um uh, uh the only reason why i am why i think i am disabled mm -hmm. uh and what the crux of calling yourself disabled actually is because uh the disability community and the disability activists really uses some sort of an of an of an of an uh, name of, of almost some, no it's not really like like proud but it's like the best we have i mean you better cause a disabled and not different abled or special abled or something like that. But the crux of that is that on one is that we are disabled because our environment isn't uh, helping us or en enough or aiding us enough with our wishes and with our problems, uh, which 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 has been expected that we are able to do so. So and I can recall in my first conversation with Matty that we kind of talked about the fact how this capitalistic system that we're in right now is only based upon production. You're only seen from how much can you produce within 40 hours a week. Uh, and if you are not... Uh, Knowledge uh, economy in a sense of like a sorry, production the economy. And yeah, yeah, the uh, production economy. Yeah. And if you are not able to produce this amount as we want to, then you're considered disabled. Mm -hmm. So there's so it's really a, some sort of an... And I said also to her from, oh, actually, we shouldn't even think in like jobs that we all s that we we'll always see on linkedin from hey i want i want a person uh who has this and this year's amount of uh experience um it has to has this uh it has uh, to work at the studio it has like an expert in adobe products and in uh coding uh and uh, sometimes they even have have a list of what kind of personality and characteristics so you have to have outgoing <laughs> uh outgo it's like, it's like you have to it's like, oh we want an outgoing kind uh um invested yeah. we're a young company we want to have s and we want to have someone who has a very uh nice influence on our on our producer you know i mean it's a performance it's like yeah. you, oh what performance do you want me to give you like exactly <laughs> and what and what would uh, what would happen if you have a vacancy 
and someone comes up and says and you can just say from hey just come and we see whatever you, you're good at and maybe we can use you i mean you know from this kind of idea from how to apply for jobs is so differently but it opens up for whole other possibilities than you have right now uh because i'm thinking honestly that our economy as it as it happens especially during covid um when a job is not available anymore then our whole economy crumbles down so is it not on the other hand also able to say from hey uh we don't just focus on one job this is the only thing we ask you for so do so and if it's not possible to do then or then this whole job is gone is it maybe also some sort of a possibility to have other experiences which which hasn't been found out out, out before i mean like you are actually what that is why i actually liked also a lot of your workshops you actually kind of tried it out from something from uh, and also during a care rider you actually questioned that from hey you actually want want this from me but have you already asked me if i'm if i'm comfortable with that uh, because you're because uh spoiler you're not gonna find the perfect person you uh, uh described in your vacancy yeah i mean i was talking to my friend the other day about uh, the idea and she was talking to me about the idea of the every worker um mm -hmm. which is a kind of the idea that as an artist or even designer not only do you have to be an artist designer you have to be a technician you have to be a writer you have to yeah. be a podcast maker you have to be a public speaker you have to be an accountant um and it's a huge expectation on artists or people working in the creative field to have this um this this plethora of um abilities which is comes down to this economy of of uh you can't just be you, you you're almost a jack of all trades and a master of none i always find that i i i feel that i'm like one of these people but yeah jack of tra jack of all trades the uh, uh master of none um yeah 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 exactly yeah i mean um i'm right now also for instance this book is called mushroom at the end of the world do yeah. you know that yeah i do yeah. i do we're yeah we're uh doing some work about yeah. it in our class <laughs> <laughs> very nice from, yeah, but, but from and from anna chin and yeah i thought it was so beautiful we're only we're only like reading two chapters so mm. i'm not sure of the whole book but Is it the masters uh i think it's the go-to masters read at the moment yeah i mean yeah there is this like a masters reader but i have kind of the feeling that all the master art program kind of borrows uh, the the same the same the same text from each other so yeah uh, <laughs> i mean all the masters are kind of similar in some senses i think like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you, you can you can choose one masters but then you it's interesting i also had a friend who started the peace Spartan institute and wrote them at the same time <laughs> and we were kind of comparing notes um and then he was like yeah i think it doesn't really matter which one you go to no. <laughs> like they all know each other as well yeah. like it's a huge nepotistic kind of like group well if i if i know that earlier i wouldn't have to travel every day one and a half hour uh yeah but i but i found it actually the way how she described um it's kind of a book from a mission at the end of the world that the uh subject that i'm reading into was that she kind of uh really described the um, the uh travel chain of the matsutaki mushroom mm -hmm. which is a japanese mushroom uh which is which you can only find by searching through the woods and searching through and uh, searching through the grounds and they but don't it, yeah is it, I, i've not read it yet but isn't it to do with like the kind of the idea that the woods were only possible with kind of man-made influences or it's kind of very much dependent there's a dependency there on each other yeah yeah it yeah it's kind of a dependency on, on each other but that's also what i kind of 
had to there's also this idea of precarity mm-hmm. that uh since you know from like in all of the other vegetables we have we grow it on our own i mean a lot of vegetables we see in the supermarkets is grown by human beings uh purposely on that spot with a lot you know and uh, the idea of mushrooms and i eventually start reading that and i found oh that's actually a very fascinating metaphor is that it isn't it doesn't have like the same way you cannot really control a mushroom if you if you want to grow a mushroom you have to like a lot of training and have to wait for like years and years and then uh it grows at the area that you want to have it but normally it just it just happens to up to appear in the woods and she kind of describes the actually s- the searchers of it so people who search through the woods to these mushrooms and pick it from the trees or from or from the ground and actually sell that to the market and the market is of course a very capitalistic uh, mar- marketplace for everything but the idea from where it course it's it starts from mm. is actually very very how i thought from oh this feels like a very nice way to actually escape from the idea that, that that we have from work that we kind of actually um that we kind of plan everything that we have like a five-year plan that you yeah. know that you are going to say for me i want to go over here and i want to go in this country and um uh, i thought the metaphor of a mushroom that you are not able to have any control of what you're selling and what you're kind of collecting i thought i it just landed after a kind of when i read this whole um chapter yeah and she ended to the very end of uh, of uh, the subject where she kind of also says from hey we we rely too much on our eyes um and i thought you know i thought it was such a i thought i didn't grasp like everything so i mean if so i mean if if, we're giving uh, it like if, we're giving it a very novice <laughs> if miss I mean, singh is, uh, is uh, kind of listening to this yeah, podcast I mean, I she probably would cringe <laughs> <laughs> i mean i thought but i thought how i interpreted that was it was so nice how how i also thought about your idea um and i'm not sure if like intentionally but uh, um that it is some for me some sort of also an answer to our postmodern, maybe a bit of post capitalistic uh era we're living in right now where you have like different sorts of jobs and especially for neurodivergence um this is like really not not a good time to live in you know so uh how are so we have to maybe rethink our uh way of working and i think the metaphor of a mushroom that you have to maybe pick someone or pick a person which you cannot control at all but we, but uh, but which can f- work out really well, which you wouldn't think at the first place. Yeah, I think that is a good way to, to actually uh, question that and also make it beneficial for our society. Yeah. Um. And when I also saw it, may- maybe back in your workshops, and when I actually scrolled through your through your website, you're actually really questioning that in the first place, not like directly from hey, how do we tackle capitalism <laughs> you <laughs> know but, questions I'm but, on my I mean, website. <laughs> but it is like very simple from Harriet how, how you know from capitalism. how what are what are your jobs you really you really like to and um let's say for instance how many people in that process from how do you do it from that um from that project uh, project yeah how many people topped their most paid job at the very at the very top I you mean, know that I'm trying to think of everyone who contributed. Um, I think the conversations that kind of happened end up people people talking about 
working as artists and working in Haruka. So yeah. the, it kind of started to really focus on this um, idea of, of, of food and, and gathering and eating together and, and, and jobs that do roll, the jobs that roll in that. Um, but yeah, it was a real varied response. But also, I'm going to keep that question in mind because I'm going to be doing the project again in Belgium. No. So <laughs> it's going to happen again. Yeah, yeah, um, me, but that could be it's like... a growing project as well. So it's like I, I was saying to you earlier on that when I, I start making work or mm. I start a project, I never see it really having an end point. It's just yeah. I started a new, uh, a new um, way of exploring yeah. what I've been thinking about. Yeah, but I think that's, that would be, for me, would, would be really interesting to ask from that you first ask, what is your... Uh, most paid jobs you know what's kind of your main job you have you are like the biggest income yeah uh, because the irony is I think that a lot of artists is going to say the horror car is some, yeah. some sort of side job but it is eventually they'll be making more money out of the, that the, the, the uh, job of yeah. their of their main of their main income yeah uh, so I found it actually kind of fascinating from um, um, how would you therefore then see it? Uh, because if I if we're going to take away that job, then your whole that you may, maybe your whole apart. existence is going to be questioned. So, so then the idea of it being valued as a side job, then it, it yeah. would be, but then it also you know that value is up against um, coin. Uh, yeah. But you know it's 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 really it's really interesting. It's interesting when you're talking about the mushroom, the end of the world as well, because we have a uh, a fungi. Uh, growing underneath our studios right now yeah. in Utrecht. Very it's a bit cool. of a yeah. It's not a good fungi. It is a dangerous fungi. Oh, um, <laughs> that's not so cool. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we're it, it's quite an interesting experience. So we're in the middle <coughs> of uh, relo possibly relocating to a new building, yeah. and then the new building's got asbestos in it. So we can't move to new we can't move to the new building until the asbestos is removed. But we are at a point where the fungi in our studios we're safe from it because yeah. of our floors. But if anything, from the if the floors gave way or uh, unsettled the fungi, um, dangerous spores would be released. So the fungi is safe as long as it's not bothered. Oh yeah. Um, but we are we've got a, a kind of outdoor space of in the middle of our studios, it's like a, a large warehouse, which we're wanting to kind of make into a garden um, to explore this idea of the fungi taking over. Yeah. Um, and what that uh or what we what kind of thought process if we can really focus on yeah. while doing that while also reading mushroom at the end of the world so it, it i'm quite quite interested in uh this, this idea of this natural aspect taking over this building but the prevented it we, we're, we're, we're preventing we're prevented from moving into a new building because of yeah. unnatural forces yeah yeah man-made uh man-made fungi in yeah. the idea of uh, yeah, asbestos and then we can very really close as a, some sort of metaphor for covid yeah of course, you know i mean it's kind of similar. tie it all up <laughs> yeah no, but it's kind of similar i mean everything is covid and everything is political so everything uh, is covid and everything is political yeah done <laughs> done <laughs> end of the podcast thank yeah, you for listening thank you. uh next week no but um we have we uh, over here in the netherlands we have some sort of a kind of a similar setting that we actually still think a lot of people still think that we can actually actively control everything around us that we actually control such a disease i mean if you would say for like two years ago and you would kind of call a pandemic then uh we uh, there are there are many times that there are that, that there is a list going on from the from the countries who are the best prepared for a uh, pandemic and then and, and the netherlands was in the top three and i think uh the united states was at one and if i'm not uh uh and if i'm not wrong i think like 
Britain or the United Kingdom was number four or two or something. Also, also not very high, but it's more of the of the of the of the idea mm. that there is some there was some sort of a, some sort of Western arrogance from oh you know that we left it behind one hundred years ago. We have we have no pandemic since then, uh, and we also had that over here in the Netherlands. And I thought it was what you're saying really really makes me think about that that how we still think that we are under we are able to control such a natural thing because we are not used to that uh, something overpowers or, or surpasses the human capacities mm. to do so and that's kind of similar from what you're saying towards your fungi yeah from you know that you are not used that actually nature can also be just as uh just as um powerful against the human capacities but we are not used it anymore another example i once uh saw is that like in japan they have like a brutal fight against jellyfish who uh um who are uh, uh very you know from a jellyfish doesn't really have doesn't have a brain so it so it doesn't go ever over here directly they just flow away with the sea and they also for instance end up in like these ng motors mm. so therefore they have like these uh, shutdowns uh, with electricity or with uh, warming so they are like a real b a big problem but because they have no direction you cannot you cannot project where they are heading or you cannot guide them anywhere or something like that they just go everywhere and if and uh, if the and there are like too many to kill them so i mean this is another example where um nature as an or or at least something that you can um that you can guide to there is some there is some sort of a lack of acceptance yeah. that some things just happen and mm -hmm. that you are not able to do anything about it and during yeah. this covid crisis is really clear that we in the Western world have really problems with guiding that. So we're still really questioning from how can we control this this new environment, this this new thing that is in our life every day from now on, um, and uh, how can we make sure that it's gone? You know, so we're thinking about it every day, uh, and we're not accepting that that at that. Um, uh, uh, this is also kind of the possibilities of living in general. I mean, it will be in the future also maybe that uh, that there will be another 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 pandemic. You know, so yeah. Uh, and it's not not like it's not pre it's not preventable, but it's more like that. We're gonna be living, adapting. We are ha will have to adapt. Yeah, to exactly. Pandemic. You know, not there the is this. Way around, yeah. We have to adapt, but we are mentally not able to adapt so yeah, yeah so and uh yeah so uh, that <laughs> 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 i'm not uh, uh uh but i'm not uh denying corona at all <laughs> 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 just to make this sure um no but uh to back to that point what i actually wanted to ask that's also something i i went i went back to do you think that the artistic um idea of an artist of Picking your own hours of having <laughs> so much freedom. Oh, it must be so good to work, do what you love. <laughs> yeah. <what> you, love. <laughs> you know. No, but uh, it's more of or more of the idea. I mean, I mean that you are have do have some sort of control. You act. You basically got an assignment. At least I got when I when I went to work. You basically got an assignment and they have a deadline, and you can actually say to your own day from okay, I'm going to work from this point to this point. Do you think that's 
some sort also maybe a way to uh, aid disabled and neuro neurodivergent people who have problems with working like a 40 hours a week a se settlement if we ha as we have yeah now. I, I think it's a i think it's a couple of things i think it's also like um uh, yeah we're, we're deemed to see as i think it's also to do with what what we think of productivity like mm -hmm. our relationship with our personal relationships with what pro what productivity is yeah and what productivity means for us so um i think i can only speak from my perspective because i do struggle with structure so i know that i know as a person that i i work better with deadlines and i work mm -hmm. better with structures um to work with him and i've had to teach myself how to give myself my own structures yeah. of working um because i think uh that aren't because uh, i think I, I flounder and i i really struggle and i i do feel that that um it helps me to create quite a, quite a, a many structures of working mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so i yeah i mean i think it's also interesting because as an artist not only are you working depending what projects you're working on it's so such a diverse range of things you could be working on but it's also to do with uh research yeah. and uh uh building you know wonderful uh, uh resources of knowledge and yeah. and having that there as, as a resource within your own practice so i think mm -hmm. um and, and then also how you value that so i have quite a complicated relation i think i have a complicated relationship with pr what productivity is as well yeah but i i, I mean i'm quite boring and i'm not like bringing up any like new fandangled ways of working but i try to keep to like try not to work past 5 p.m yeah <laughs> like nine to five schedules good for yeah, me but it's, but it's like very good right i mean yeah. what i said earlier i'm also thinking i'm not going to work after eight, after eight o'clock then There's i'm going no, to like, yeah then bombshell I'm of like how to manage your time yeah. like, well i just try not to work past five yeah but i think it's like very valuable as well to also have like moments where you know that you're not busy with your with your development i mean there was also a part in my life and i have to be real honest where i had to fight from every day of my every minute i have to i have to even if i'm do if something I'm not that's produ productive to my body and my mind no like. ex not especially my mind i mm. mean uh and um i thought from even on moments when i'm free i'm going to watch very heavy documentaries yeah. you know where i'm going to feed me feed me knowledge feed me knowledge yeah. you know there's there there's this real um you're actually um addicted to knowledge in that the moment and yeah i think i i i also had i think especially beginning of covid i had that like, mm. I was like oh i'm just gonna like read loads i'm gonna watch or listen to loads of like interesting podcasts and i'm yeah. gonna like self-initiate loads of projects and i was like nah yeah. didn't happen didn't yeah. read a book yeah i'm with, yeah still I'm, struggling yeah I'm, I'm also really seeking from you know if i'm if i'm doing something i have to be really keen in in interested into it but then yeah again uh you know from i also have this some sort of idea from when i'm when it's kind of eight o'clock i'm going to uh, just last time i just thought i just looked at, at a reality sh a series yeah i just even watched geordie shore for a moment <laughs> i never Love done it. that <laughs> but i thought you know from from that point i thought from uh oh yeah i need to i need to actually escape from from this point from actually the idea of getting knowledge and getting information all the time yeah and you've uh, only taken so much before you kind of just yeah you know, you yeah just exactly so i think myself and then i thought from 
we uh, talked already earlier, then I thought actually, is that already, already a care rider that I'm saying eight o'clock gone? Yeah. From, you know, from, that is, is that... That is definitely, like, I mean, it can, can d- come down to the fact that, like, please, <laughs> if you want to get in touch with me, do not WhatsApp me past yeah. 5 p.m. Yeah. Like, just email, if it's work related, just email me uh, and I will get to it. Or like, yeah, I take Fridays and Thursdays and Fridays off because I work on Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. I mean, hypothetically, or um, from, you know, from six to, you know, from six till like 8 p.m. It's family time. Like I'm with my family then. Yeah. Like, that's the time that I prioritize for whether it's your kids, your partner, um, anything. It's it, But it, 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 I think with... A, even it's even become even more exaggerated now i think with the idea of corona and remote working and the idea that you you have access to working where any anywhere the 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 limitations or the 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 boundaries are, are, are just dissolving of when you can actually um um prevent people from um asking you to work there is no mm-hmm. um there's really is no yeah like it's just got worse uh yeah. so i think these things are I- extremely important to put in your care rider yeah. um and this is yeah another category that can be part of it like working times it can yeah. be something as simple as an email signature this is also i think is something that's really important it doesn't have to be a full doc- two-page document that you send to someone before your relationship or working relationship begins it can literally just be on your email signature at the bottom whoever you're sending an email to people already do it my working days are monday tuesday friday but not on top of that it's like if i if you don't hear back from me in a week please send an email as i'm quite good at responding to emails i might have just missed it yeah um so i think that's also good to keep into account it can be you can use these methods on very different levels of of uh of 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 working yeah yeah it can also be like the other way around what i usually do is um i'm not saying towards clients or towards people from um when it's uh, don't message me at 10 o'clock mm. i'm just saying from oh you know you can message me at 10 o'clock but i'm not gonna reply before the, the next I day respond. you know and so uh, then you're also aware then you also get some control over you and you're not really relying on what the other person does um so i'm seeking that also also more and more uh point is from what i usually have is that i uh am more and more insecure um or not more and more but i always was from if i'm going to step over a line which was never settled that i'm for instance mm. you know going to message someone at te- at, te- at 10 o'clock in the evening and that i'm actually questioning from hey does that person really 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 like that yeah I mean, you know so totally and it's also really good to invite that person to like yeah. hey like when's best when's the best time that i message yeah. you should i like I think yeah, it's it's about this transparency, which makes um, just working. I think makes it improves working relationships. Yeah. Um, but also, I don't want it to feel like oh, it's gonna improve improve productivity. It's gonna improve that. I, no, it's more. It's to do with you, and it's to do yeah. with how you care for yourself within um, your work and your in your life. Yeah. 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 But do you think also that the art academy should actually elaborate elaborate them more? Yeah, I think especially going back to the idea that we're, you know, the people are invited to um, uh, talk, uh, people are invited to, oh, do you, you know, do you have a neurodivergency? Do you see yourself as disabled? What if so? Like, what is that? And then there's like, how do you then uh, understand what support individuals need? It's not just a blanket. Oh, there's 10 dyslexic people, 10 people with ADHD. 
um each person has their individual needs yeah and i think that's what i've struggled with going back into master's education is um i'm now in a position where i feel uh, yeah i think edu formal education makes me feel uh extremely anxious about um requirements that i need to or, or hoops that i ha have to jump through yeah so that's where i kind of feel the most anxious but there has been no kind of indication of what help is on offer like even just down i mean simple things like basic stuff like oh, i can't read off screens i do need some way to print things off yeah. but it could mean i need to print off like half a book and having that access or knowledge of where i can access that and things like that but it, it, no. it doesn't seem i think it can be used a way to treat individual uh, to work i think it's, it can be used as a way to work with individuals and make sure that individuals get the best experience out of formal yeah. education yeah i uh yeah i tend to agree agree with that and also regard regarding the fact this is something that i can also ask to someone uh who is not studying at the kpk yeah so you know from if you have uh, if you have like a similar experience that i have the feeling uh that on art academies in general that there is some sort of a focus on the client you know and that actually uh there has been always said from oh you're actually sitting here to to develop yourself yeah. which i which i think is kind of the core of a study it's not that you have like a, be a, a better job or something i'm going to do this master as well because not because i know i'm gonna have like a better place on on the capital on the capitalistic the mar market, mar marketplace yeah. or something like that but uh, i wanted to develop my own personality as well as my uh creative ability but i still always have the feeling that they're going to elaborate from hey if a client is going to say this and if a client is going to say that and they ask too little from hey what do you what what do you want yeah you know so for instance what i what i was kind of really really asking um you said for instance that you are anxious towards talking publicly speaking <laughs> but at the very end of the year they always ask you to present your work at the yeah. collectives how was that for you um it's, it's i public speaking for me is really complicated because i i find it easier to express myself verbally i find uh, for me writing is extremely difficult and it's quite complicated and i and i and i have a very difficult time to express my thoughts um through writing um but i do also get anxious before i publicly speak mm -hmm. so i think it i think it's also to do with it being able to talk about that i think mm -hmm. for me talking about being anxious before i publicly speak and being open about that um helps me a lot um i also feel like i have to feel as prepared as possible which can sometimes backfire yeah. um especially like i think recently i presented in a final uh, assessment situation like a kind of quite a finalized project yeah. um and I, you know, did a quite a formal like presentation, blah, mm. blah, blah, because this is kind of because I've been working for yeah. sort of four four years. Uh, this is how I felt like I had to pre present something. Yeah. Oh, I present a final project. Great, this is going to be great. Going to yeah. look good. And then I presented it, and it kind of just got it. It was um, how would I say? I felt personally, others might disagree. I felt it kind of uh, it, it, it 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 flopped. Mm -hmm. um <laughs> <laughs> it flopped in, in a way because people were like cool great nice to see that you've done this project but we really want to see what's what happened in the process like what conversations came out of it and i was like um like, well there's these things and they're like no but you you know you showed a final product like a portfolio you showed a portfolio yeah. piece 
for me, I could just put that in a portfolio, send it off to an opportunity, see if I get the opportunity. But what I'm trying to understand now in the educational setting is I really need to open up the vulnerability to everything else that's happened yeah. in the meantime. Like what conversations happened, what uh, email dialogues happened, the 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 the, the makeup of the, the the aspects, the 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 parts of the project, not the mm -hmm. finalized work. Um, so I think that's maybe where I'm finding or you know understanding re-understanding re education yeah. is luckily i mean i think it's different for you from your course but for me in this course that i'm in it's about the development and the, and the, the aspect it's not about producing beautiful final work oh but it's here as well i mean i rather um i'm kind of critical on my master and the fact that they are um i'm kind of questioning from not so much the final work mm. you know uh, i'm i'm just happy to make like beautiful things yeah but who are we aiming for we have for instance this project right now which is called plastic justice mm -hmm. and we're good and it's about like mic microplastics in the sea and then i'm actually wondering yeah i'm a designer i'm not <laughs> i'm not gonna you know what do you what do you want me to actually say about microplastics in the sea yeah. uh, or do you want me to do about that so there is a, some sort of an idealistic white knight kind of idea that we're going to Save solve solve all the problems of the world with our design and stuff like that you know which which i think why i actually find your proposal so refreshing is because it goes from very the bottom up you're going to ask people directly from how would you actually solve this and mm. that is also also maybe one of the reasons i started this podcast so i can actually ask to you how do you want to solve this very little pickle you know and then and then kind of this idea of a care writer is yeah. for me a very much a better tool to actually uh, uh, solve some problems in the in the world because then you then you're not speaking for other individuals you yeah. never met you yeah. actually invite a method to do it yourself yeah and i think that is way more um i think that is just way more respectful and better than uh, what i sometimes encounter in like in like the art world so yeah yeah hey um i think this is a good way to to uh, round off what do you what uh, do you think yeah why not <laughs> yeah. yeah right or do you have a, we no, could a keep going forever though but yeah i think we, uh, we can do but i'm not sure if the listeners i mean i mean <laughs> oh, if uh, i've already heard that like the last episode with matty and michiel was way too long and that was only one hour and 20 minutes okay. <laughs> so um we no but this is, no but this is honestly like the first time uh uh that i did my podcast and that has and I, don't <laughs> I don't want to want to fall off everyone else. But I did I after more than an hour talking. Yeah, feel I'm still kind of feel feel fresh or something like that. So that's good. Yeah, you know. So maybe that's more of the, more of the f method we're talking about, or I don't know. Maybe it's also more of a real refreshing. Yeah. Idea we had. Um, yeah. Maybe it's also we kind of hold like one line. You yeah. know that we uh, weren't go from one topic to the other. I mean, <laughs> so uh, we did some good uh, topic um, intros there. I think we did some good uh, segues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe I have to do that also in the future. I mean, I'm also learning from my guest. Yeah, so. no, I think every time you do it, you can like <laughs> learn about what works best and what doesn't work best. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna round off. Uh, do you have anything uh, to promote? <laughs> <laughs> Being transparent. Um. Promotion. I'd like to just. I'd like to thank uh, Stacy Boucher and Miriam um, 
both for kind of introducing me to the concept of the care rider um, mm-hmm. and how it's kind of really helped uh, me think about a lot of the ways I work and how I feel I also agree that other people can use it as a tool. Um, yeah. So I really like to thank them. Shout out. Um, and yeah, I think if you want to know anything else about my work, come follow me on the Instagram. Yeah, give the um, shout out. My Instagram <laughs> is <laughs> at always under construction, uh, HRM. Um, or yeah, if you want to reach out and chat to me about anything, want to know more about the Care Rider, please slide into my DMs. Um, or give me an email. Yeah. You can find my website, all information on my website, which is like harrietrmorley.com. Uh, yeah um yeah i'm always up for chatting always yeah. always up for a chat i so, know yeah. that <laughs> totally i've totally. Uh, i've uh, experienced that the last uh, one and a half hour or so <laughs> yeah so i think yeah. that's it um, and also thank you niels yeah no Thanks problem yeah no problem i'm uh, the only thing i have to promote is of course our instagram page yeah. at non-neurotypical art students uh, you can all if you want if you want to ask something or if you want to chat uh, if you want to join as a guest as well, uh, we're still s- searching for uh, people who are going to graduate at the very end of this year um, at the KBK uh, Neurodivergent Alumni, of course. And which are we going to interview? So if you're one of those people, just hit me up. Me, uh, you can also send an email to uh, to non neurotypical art students at gmail.com uh and i think that's it so uh i think we're going to round off and uh, i w- want to thank you very much for your for being the guest of this podcast i thought it was a real nice conversation we had and also shout out to alex who shout out to alex set up our, our mic situation yeah, yeah shout out yeah. to alex 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 huge <laughs> he is kind of uh, the huge reason why you can finally hear my my voice clearly the clarity <laughs> for the clarity yeah. shout out to uh anafesco the place where we are recording right now uh so yeah i i think i gave every everyone a shout out i'm just gonna end end up end up this podcast so hey uh thank you for listening thank you for joining and uh thank myself for uh, presenting so <laughs> bye <Thanks>. bye, bye. <laughs>